0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I uh, I got new headshots. Uh, I got them from uh, Jamie Klein, who was a guest on my show, who was a comedy writer turned photographer. And they came out great. And I posted them on Facebook, and I got like 250 likes. But what cracked me up was the comments. People were putting comments like, oh, Coop, you clean up well. Oh, my God, how'd they make you look respectable? And I'm thinking, people must just think I'm like some barbarian i mean the, the comments they are putting it's like okay i know i'm bald and i have a lazy eye okay that's why my eyes are squinting in it someone said oh yeah look like a turtle I mean, i'm just saying people be nice i mean I, I i wear nice clothes just it's more you know i'm on the radio that doesn't mean you know I, I don't look good when i go out so all you people who put those comments who are by the way very good friends of mine thank you guys thank you for making me feel like crap anyway Enough about that. We have a great show today. Uh, we're talking about headshots, and actually, I want, I want to ask my uh guest Ian Romaine. How you doing, Ian? Uh, fine, thanks. It's Romaine, Romaine, right? Romaine. That's yeah, right. Like that's the right. lettuce, but it's spelled differently. It's spelled differently because it's it's French. I want to I want to ask you though, because because yeah. you're you're an agent, and he just you know, people, Ian's an agent, and he also he's put two documentaries together, and I just found out he actually you wrote a novel too that's on Amazon. That's true, right? That's true. That's correct. But I want to know as an agent. Uh, What's your deal on headshots? Because I, I see, like I've talked to people, like sometimes you'll see a girl who's very plain Jane, and then she gets this headshot, and she looks amazing. Now, as an agent, do you tell these people, hey, hey, be yourself? I mean, because you deal with casting directors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a bad idea to have the headshot be the best picture you've ever taken. Okay. Uh, it should represent you, so that when they pick you from your thumbnail, because now they look at it on computers, you've got to be the person they're expecting when they set up the audition. You don't want to. You don't want to throw them. Okay, because I, so I, I was wonder, Because I tell people, yeah. I like,
0: go, oh, no, I'm like, you know, wh- why are you putting all the makeup on? You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I put a blazer on my picture. and It's fine, but I mean, I, I don't wear makeup, so I just shave my head. But you know, no, no, you're right. It should represent you. So, I got to ask you, Now I, I was wondering, because I was talking to the lovely Joanne today, and I said, my guest has lived in New Jersey and different places. Were you a Navy brat? or Because you grew up, you were born in Puerto Rico?
1: I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, my mom is Puerto Rican, but my dad worked for IBM, okay. and that's why we moved so much. So, yeah. So, yeah, Puerto Rico, Florida, North Carolina, Belgium, New Jersey, briefly, uh, and then I did go to NYU, so I lived in New York for a while.
0: Now, as a kid, I mean, you've, you've gravitated to this business where you've not only, you're in behind the scenes as in you know getting the talent out there as an agent but then you've also crossed you know, I mean you're you're someone who's as you say you're a civilian and you're not a civilian as as entertainers say when you were a kid were you fascinated with the industry or I mean what made you sit there and decide hey eventually that I'm gonna become an agent or I'm gonna direct I mean, because it's very t- two fields that I mean I don't you know, I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood uh-huh. and I never knew kids going hey when I grow up I'm gonna be an agent you know what I mean it's like I mean how did you get involved in this
1: I mean when you were a kid were you fascinated uh, huge movie buff as a kid. Always loved movies. Uh, TV, not so much. Uh, but TV's more important now, I guess. Uh, but I don't think anybody ever grows up with a desire to be an agent. Right. Um, I think that just sort of <laughs> happened to me. I mean, I, I guess that's how it happens to most agents. I did always have... Uh, Sort of an autistic ability to remember, sort of Rain Man like quality to remember everything a character actor had ever been in. You know, I'd see somebody in a movie and I would go, "Oh yeah," and I, I, I just knew the the I knew their IMDb page before there was IMDb. You see, know that's what I mean? so cool because yeah.
0: I do that when I, I sit there and, and I'm the same way. I'm like, and but for me, it's usually it's like, wait, I know that guy. I know that guy. Where do I know that guy? And before I go to IMDb. I sit there and scan my brain and finally, oh, yeah. I'm, and I go, damn it, I can't figure it out. And, but you know, a lot of things like been in a big series. But So as a kid, you,
1: you were already looking at character actors. Yeah, I was always keeping track of actors and doing that mental list, you know, where it's like, where have I seen this person before? It's kind of a game, you know, slot them in your memory where you've seen them before. Um, I did go to NYU to study film and TV production, because that was always my interest. I worked as a PA, I worked on a lot of movies in New York. I mean, basically, if it shot in one of the boroughs between, like, 94 and 98 I worked on it. Um, came out here, the intention was not to become an agent at all, but I needed a job and I needed to pay rent. And I got a job as an assistant at SMS Talent and uh, that was 1999 and I'm still there. Well, in high school, did you were you involved with theater at all? I mean, because you know, you said you wanted to get into NYPD, I
0: mean NYPD, NYU <laughs> yeah. to be the um you know, for film and study, but you love films. But as a as a kid and as a teen, how did you cultivate that towards what you wanted to do as a, as your profession, as your major in college? Because you moved around a lot, mm-hmm. which is good because you probably met a lot of people, and you lived in cool areas. I mean, what was it like you living in Belgium?
1: Yeah, we lived in Belgium for about three and a half years. And uh, my father my father was half French. So he uh, he wanted us, my brother and I, to learn French. So I had to go to local school. And, and uh, I went kicking and screaming. But, you know, I became fluent in French. And now he he's right all these years later. I'm glad I have that. Um, of course, you're in LA. It would have helped better in
0: Spanish. I mean, just because. Oh, it, I speak that, too. Okay. Because no, that's one thing yeah, I yeah, see yeah. there. Like, looking back when I went to high school, I'm like, yeah, Spanish. New Jersey, who needs Spanish? And now I'm like. Damn, I wish I had that. Oh, learned here it's mean, really useful. Yeah, I know I know some because yeah. I worked in a restaurant business, but it's mostly yeah. curse words and not very well, <laughs> not, not the perfect grammar. So, so but I mean, did you, did you, what made you decide to go to NYU and what made you decide to pick the major you wanted? I mean, in high school, were you involved in plays or anything? Or I did,
1: did direct a play in high school, um, that was about it. Other than that, just you know watching tons of movies, I always had an interest in writing as well. you know how you know I was always interested in how screenplays become movies. And when you first learn that whole process, it seems kind of odd. you know the, the one page of screenplay equals a minute on screen and and there's no scientific reason that that's true, but it actually kind of works. You're right, you know, it's funny. If yeah. you break
0: it down, it's like because you look at a screenplay, there can be action, 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 action dialogue, and you're like, oh, it's a minute. And then it's like,
1: dialogue, 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 dialogue. And you're like, that's a minute too. And you know, right, it's never... It's yeah, no, it's like, it's how not... does that work? But it kind of works. Right. Yeah. So it's a, I was always interested in film and that's why I went to NYU and that's why I ended up out here, not with the goal of being an agent, but of finding a way into the business. But I didn't know anybody in the business. I didn't know anybody from... I think I knew one guy from L.A. who was at NYU, NYU with me. Did you move directly from... M- when you graduated, did you move to La Criale here? No. I stayed in New York two more years, and I kept working as a set PA. Now, yeah. what was that like? I mean, because, you know, you I mean, did you... What were some of the movies you worked on? Uh, Great Expectations, the one with uh, Gwyneth Paldrow and Ethan Hawke. I worked on Donnie Brosco, which was the uh, Pacino, John right, Depp mob that. movie. Uh, Devil's Advocate, Private Parts. Uh, a movie Stanley Tucci directed called The Imposters. I worked yeah, on I for a very movie. long time. Yeah, him and Oliver Platt. I love Oliver yes, Platt. Yes, Oliver Platt's fantastic. Underrated.
0: Uh, he was in that show Huff on, uh, on Showtime. Right. And he's been in so much stuff. He's just one of those guys that's underrated, but he always just kills it. Like when he was in fantastic. Fargo, he killed it, and he's just like this big, lulking, like he's probably the nicest guy.
1: He looks like a gentle giant. He is one of the nicest people I ever got a chance to work with as a PA so
0: now what do you do as a PA I always I wonder what does a PA do, do you, are you a gopher is that makes sense, what it is or, or what do you kind doing?
1: of the worst job on earth to tell you the truth <laughs> um, it's the most responsibility with the least amount of pay uh, I think of any job on earth uh, you work 15 16 17 hours you're there all day you're there before the call uh, you it depends your your duties vary but you know I worked my way up so I got it you got assigned to cast members, you had to follow them around, you had to make sure they're on set, you have to keep track of crew, you have to keep track of your director, eventually you get you become what they call the key, okay. which is the the key PA is, is, is the junior to the ADs, um, and again, I'm speaking from my days doing this in the 90s, maybe things have changed, but one of the main duties for the keys was you had to keep track of all the walkies and get them back in at the end of the day, and I remember I worked on this giant movie, uh, directed by Richard Donner called uh, Conspiracy Theory. Okay. And it was like you had 300 walkies out every day. You had them up in helicopters. You had them with second unit. You had them with a second, second unit. You had them all over. And at the end of the day, it was this panic to get them all together. Because if you (laughs) lost one, that's more than you made that week. Okay. It was, it was, uh, but I have to say, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. I learned more doing that about how movies are actually made than I learned from NYU.
0: Well, that, but that, you you know? Know, a lot of people say that, though, yeah. because it's hands-on. I mean, you know, I used to work in the restaurant business. I was a waiter, then I was a marketing manager, and I'd done floor managerships and stuff like that. And this is, I mean, after I did stand-up comedy for years. But you, know, you were around, you saw how waitresses work. You know, when they give you a training at a restaurant, okay, you always have some idiot who's kissing the manager's ass who doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. So he's training you, well, do this. Sir. And it's like, you know what, no one cares about marrying ketchups. So they care about giving... Call your customers, good service, and that's the same. But it's the same thing with movies. It's like they can tell you what you're going to do, but until you're sitting there and you're a young kid wearing about 300 uh, walkie talkies, that's like, hey, welcome to the showbiz. This is just the bottom rung. Just wait till you start directing. You think, oh, you have it hard. I mean, it's just. I think that's perfect for. I always think people should just learn hands-on because it's you were in you were in the fire.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and it also taught me that I, I didn't really want to be. Uh, after a while, I learned a lot doing it, but after a while I was like, I, I don't want to be on set unless it's something I'm directing or writing right. or something, because I would look at, you know, the first ADs, hugely accomplished first ADs. I mean, I worked uh, I worked for a guy uh, on Donnie Brasco who works for Scorsese and Oliver Stone, but I was thinking, you know, he's however many decades older than me at that point, and I was like, he's here working the same crappy hours I am. Uh, you know, this doesn't look like fun for the long haul, so um, I thought... Uh, I am interested in this business, but this is, might not be the way for me. So you moved to LA. I did.
0: Now, where's your first place you moved? Because you've traveled all over. So I would guess, because I always, I always talked about this, I as my mom would say, I beat the dead horse. I wow. always ask guests where they live first and how different growing up back east. You can tell, you know, the areas. You, can, you can't tell out here if it's a bad area. But you've, right. you've lived in a lot of different places. So you, you pro- and you've probably been to a lot of different places. So when you came out here, did you have your sense, or did you end up living in a crappy area?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I did. I'd only been to L.A. once before I moved out here. Uh, And so I was really lazy. And the guy I mentioned already who went to NYU with me was living here. And I had visited him. And he was living in a building on south Detroit Street. And I literally just called him and said, Hey, ask your building manager if there's an apartment. And I read it uh, over the phone. Okay. So you moved out here. Yeah. So you get out here
0: and you have this P.A. stuff on your resume. But you don't want to be a P.A. And you said you need work. And I'm sure you want to get to work. You don't want to go backwards because you're already working PA. So where did you, you start pounding the pavement? What kind of jobs are you looking for?
1: You know what? I just did that. I think the usual thing everybody used to do back then. You get the you get the you look for the ads and variety or whatever it was. There was a day where all the jobs were put, and I used I just faxed out a million resumes to everything: production companies, studios, agencies. I just needed a job. I needed to pay the rent. I needed somewhere to start. Um, I did briefly have another job, which isn't worth discussing, and then uh, I got called in by uh, SMS Talent. I met with them. They hired somebody else, and then two weeks later, they called me back, and I got the job as an assistant there.
0: Now, when you got the job as an assistant, which is, you know, I mean, you're, you're helping out all the
1: agents. Basically. Right. Yeah, basically, you're putting out, you're getting the phone calls and putting out the auditions. But what
0: were you, okay, as you were doing this job as the assistant, what was your... What was your long-term focus? I mean, because, you know, you said you didn't plan to become an agent. But when you started working as an assistant, did you sit there and go, I want to become an agent? Or was that the dot-com as you got this job and really saw what they did and looked like you really – that you would enjoy?
1: Well, you know, things happen. Uh, I was there for a while. I gelled with the group. Um, I thought they were a great group to work with. Uh, Everybody in that office was from – Back East, nobody was out from out here, so everybody, we had all that. We all had that in common. Um, and I, that's when I realized that this sort of Rain Man-like uh, ability I had to remember everything character actors had been in kind of was coming into play, and I was like, oh, there's actually a practical use for this. Okay. Um, I did also, coincidentally, SMS at the time and still represents a number of actors that I had met as a set PA in New York. So now I was working with them again in a different capacity and in, in a much better Capacity um, and those are some people that you know we still work with like Jelko Um I don't know if you know him. He won his Emmy for damages. He's on Madam Secretary now, and Jeffrey Jones, who was in every Who was the first one? Jelko Ivonick. Oh, I love him. He's he's yeah. uh, oh he's he was in a uh, what
0: was he oh he was in uh, he got killed in the born the born movie with uh, that has the Renner. Jeremy Renner one he was in that yes he's been in everything he was He was in uh, Yeah, Damage well he was in what was it Glenn Close was that Damages yep, yeah that was Damages he was, I love that guy That's his get enemy. him on my show uh, I good. love that guy he's the best he's in New York but we'll talk he, he yeah. always works he always works yeah. so you, you met these guys that must have been great I mean it's like when you meet these people because you followed them and you must have just
1: well it was, it was interesting to cross paths again in some cases a couple years later in a, in a new capacity you know um but yeah, so it, it stuck. I stayed at I stayed at SMS. I eventually became a, an agent.
0: Now, how does that happen? Do they sit there? I mean, do you have to do you have to get licensed? I don't understand. Like, because the difference between an agent and a manager. Agents, you guys can procure work. Managers can't. You
1: know. Correct, and we're licensed by the state of California, so it's 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 more of a formalized thing, and that's why I wear a suit to work. Yeah, did they did they <laughs> ask you
0: to become an agent, or did you sit there and say, "I want to become an agent"? I mean, how did you make that transition? Because it's a very big step. I mean, because then you, I mean. You it talk is. about pressure of, you know, micro uh, of walkie-talkies. Now you're going to have the pressure of people's careers.
1: Well, you know what? I think like most people, we, when you get promoted internally in a company, you get promoted eventually to the position you're already unofficially doing. Okay. You know what I mean? And I think they had seen that I could perform and they were letting me take on more and more responsibility and you know, before I was officially an agent, I think I was already working as an agent, you know. Um, but it was great that they you know, had made the opening for me, because I don't think they were actually looking, it's a small outfit, we're still a small outfit, I don't think they were looking to really move somebody up, but they saw that I worked well with the clients, and I liked what I was doing, and also it got to the point where I'd been there long enough, I think I'd been there almost five years, and I was like, if there's nowhere for me to move up, I gotta go move on, right. you know? Um, but they did, and then, and then uh, geez, that was 2004, I think, and then I became a partner in twelve. That's so awesome. That's, that's, yeah. you
0: know, that's, and that's sort of like when we talked about Brian Volkweis. He started as Barry's assistant. It's just it's amazing right. that people don't understand. So many people get jaded out here, and it's like, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, he, Ian didn't just walk in and say, hey, I'm the partner at SMA. It doesn't happen. I mean, he was an assistant, and he moved up. And people don't understand that. People don't understand that this business takes time. They, they think they're going to come to L.A., and in two years— their life's going to change. And it does happen to some people. It, it can happen. But, but It's not the usual. Yeah, and that's what's cool. And so now, now, what isn't? I mean, I always wondered what
1: is an agent's
0: like day. Like, what does an agent do on on a normal day at work?
1: Uh, I I get to the office and basically right away I just start. Uh, you do breakdowns, which is you know they get released, and it's basically casting directors release what they're looking for for a particular episode or a particular movie or play. Um, which is basically just a list of the roles, and I go through them and I submit my clients that I think are right for the roles. That's just the first step. Then my assistant, you know, you electronically submit. But as the day goes on, I call up the casting directors I know, and I go, hey, what about so-and-so, what about so-and-so? People sometimes either I'm reminding them of actors I know they already know and like, or I'm trying to introduce new clients to them, Um, and then hopefully they listen to me, I get auditions, my assistant puts the auditions out to the clients, then there's always a back and forth, you talk to your client, the client's like, I don't want to go in on this, or I want to go in on this, or should I go in on this, and you tell them what you know about who's producing it, who's directing it, etc. But at the same time we're always meeting with prospective clients, trying to sign new people, and sometimes that's they come into your office, they get referred to you by managers, or it's someone you've seen, if it's somebody young coming out of school, maybe you've seen them in a showcase and you call them in, Um, And then at the same time, during the day, during the course of an average day, I talk to a lot of my current clients, either about what they're already doing, what they're working on. I check in with, you know, I represent a woman named Annie Worshing who's a fabulous actress, who's been recurring on Vampire Diaries lately. So once in a while, I put a call into her, see how things are going in Atlanta. And it's just kind of, you're juggling all this stuff at the same time. And then hopefully along the way, you get calls that people are booking stuff. So you're doing this, and you're, you're, you've got this busy schedule. Because it's, it it's a lot of phone work, and it's a lot it of, you know,
0: and it's just funny because, I mean, you don't have to wear a suit. You're on the phone. I nobody but you look good in the no, suit. No,
1: but we meet people uh, you, every day almost, you know? I
0: think you're one like of the first people to ever have come in here with a suit. I, I honestly, I think really? one time I had an audition, so I was wearing a suit, which people were like, what the hell are you wearing a suit for? we seen your pictures. You always have a T-shirt on. That's funny. But, okay, so you're doing this, and, now, and then you decide to do your first movie. Uh, yeah, the first doc. Now, now, how did that come about? Because, and it's it's such a long title. What's the title? It's called that guy who was in that thing. Right, and that's a great title because it's so true. And and when you see it, you know you're always like, I know that guy, I know that guy. And it's yeah. a matter of people who are in the business love it, and because everyone loves character actors. I mean, no matter what you say, I don't know anyone who doesn't love character actors. I, I gauge it from my posts on Facebook how people are like, oh my god, that person, that's person. Yeah. So you were dealing with a lot of character actors in your agency, absolutely. So. What made you sit there and say, okay, I can do this documentary, and were you a little nervous because it is outside your comfort zone, because you've been not in the creative process as much in the, in the years, because you were working, doing a great job, moving up the ladder. So now you're a partner, and you say, you know... This, right, right, and, right. And now, did you sit there and go, okay, this is the time to do it? I mean, how did you come to the decision? Because it's a great idea, and it's uh, people, if you don't know it, it's on, it's on Netflix, I know that. It and, is on Netflix. And we'll talk about it as one well yeah. in Showtime, which I just watched. We're going to talk about that, which was awesome but uh now how did you come up what made you sit there and go i'm going to take this step and how did it happen
1: it you know what it grew organically out of my job uh part of my job going back to what you're asking earlier is often i have lunches with clients uh you know catch up get to know them uh whatever the stage of the relationship is with the client um and over the years i was having all these great lunches with all these fantastic actors uh in some cases people i knew from before uh you know uh, when i watched movies as a kid and now i Get to talk to them, which is, you know, and get to know them, which was an, a great experience. And other people that were new clients that I was just getting to know or people just coming in. And I would have these lunches and I, I started to think, like, wow, there's so many great stories, you know, from these people who've been doing this 10, 20, 30 years. It was so interesting to me. I couldn't imagine that it wouldn't be interesting to other people to hear them too. And that's just basically the idea kind of grew out of like, you know what, I should ask them to sit down and let me shoot an interview with them. Uh, you know, to try to get this on film. And I really didn't know what the end result would be, if it would be sold, if it would go anywhere. But I, it was almost like, let's make a record of this. Um, and to answer, I think somewhere in there, you asked me if I was nervous about it.
0: Yeah, because it, it's, it's, its I mean, you, you are talking to them. And I'll be honest, when I first started doing Cooper talk, I would be nervous in some interviews. Like I had Robbie right. Benson in, you know, Robbie Benson. To right. me, I'm like, oh my god, 101. one, you know, Robbie Benson, guy because he still looks amazing. And I was a little nervous. I'll be honest. When I was sitting there when Gregory Harrison was on, you're sitting there looking at this guy, and this and Gregory Harrison was like eight months ago. And I've, I've interviewed a lot of people, right? And for him though, it's like and you're like, holy crap, that's that's Trapper John, and there's this guy who's like sixty whatever, and he's still just gorgeous and in great shape. And you're going, man, wait a second, it, it, it's just so. I mean. In when you're a fan, and not a fan, but I mean, because I don't, I mean, when you're a fan of someone's and they come on your show, it's always good because they're on the same level. But for you, you're interviewing them and you're putting it in a movie and it's going to be out there. And it's like, I mean, you have to sit there and worry
1: about, because, you know, what's, how they're going to come across. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think uh, in a way I kind of cheated because, for example, we're doing this right now. We just met. This is cold turkey. Uh, This is a little more. Uh, nerve-inducing. These interviews that I was doing, for the most part, with the exception in the first film, uh, with the exception of Bruce Davison and Xander Berkeley, they were all guys I'd known for years already. So... Sitting down with them was not anything unusual, and uh, in some cases, it was basically me prompting them to tell me stories they'd already told me before at lunch, you know?
0: Well, that's funny, because Xander was on, and honestly, we didn't even get to, like, his Nikita stuff, because he just had these stories that when you sit there, and he told the story about MASH and some other stuff when he was on, and just, you sit there, and for me, I just, that's what, you know, I would listen, and I'm like, wow, I mean, so that must have, yeah, I mean. Well, that's that's
1: the second part is I knew that the one thing these guys all had in common these guys are actors. They're comfortable being on camera and they're all great storytellers. I mean, that's why I asked the ones I asked to do it. I knew they had great stories and they would be at ease and actually they were so natural during interviews on camera that it made it easy for me. Now, did you have...
0: How long did you actually record them for? Because I know you have to bring it down to like a ninety. I know the latest one was an hour and twenty eight minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, but how long? Like how much interview? How much footage did you get on these guys? And then how did you go about editing? Because you ended up you have I think you in the first movie you have about sixteen actors. I'm guessing maybe there are sixteen guys in the first movie oh. and two agents. Okay. So now how did you sit there? Did you did you have a lot of footage? I mean, because that would be, or did you just sit there and go, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. I mean, how did you do that? And-
1: no, I think anyone who makes has made any documentary, I would imagine. And would tell you that the biggest challenge is you just have tons and tons of footage. I mean, that documentary took me a ridiculously long time to make. It took like five years to get done. And um, I would interview people for about four or five hours. Um, there's a couple guys in that first film that we went back and did a second interview with. Okay, uh, I think Morgan Shepard and Gregory Edson if you look at them, they have two different outfits in the movie in two different settings. Um... So we had 40-plus hours uh, to boil down. Uh, the one thing that gave it structure is, even though I let the interviews go where they, where they would, you know, and they had stories, there were about 8 to 10 questions that I d- asked everybody. All right. And I, I had in mind, like, those would be our, you know, our common points that we could start editing with them answering those common points. And how, then it went on and on. How did you craft those
0: questions? How did you come up with those questions? Because it's very, I mean, it's basically, that's the backbone of your story, those questions. So how did you sit there? Did, did you have a bunch? Like, did you put like 25 questions and whittle it down? Or, I mean, how did you get to those those pinpoint questions?
1: I think those questions were just the questions I always asked every new client when we had lunch. Okay. And it was basically, you know, how'd you get into this business? Are you from a family? You know, some people come from families where everybody's been an actor and it was normal, and then a lot of people are like, no, everybody in my family was an engineer, or... I remember Mark Ralston and Zach Grenier and I all had in common that uh, fathers who were engineers at IBM. Okay. You know, and uh, I know that for those people, you know, it's a a drastic change to go into acting. Um, And yeah, that was just staple questions. They're just, you know what? I didn't even have to think it through that much. It was just my natural curiosity, uh, I think.
0: Now, how did, you, yeah. how did you pick who was going to be in the movie? Because there's so many actors. I mean, did you sit there and have who you really wanted? I mean, I mean, you wanted them all, but did you have a, a list of like 50? And you said, okay, we're going to put feelers out. And how did you approach someone? Did you say, hey, I'm doing this documentary. Would you like to be in
1: it? Yeah, it changed with the, between the two documentaries. In the first documentary, it was basically just uh, my own client's that I already had a rapport with were my starting point. Um so people like Wade Williams and Jelko Ivonic, Zachary Gains. That
0: Wade Williams, he came and he played the harmonica. He's a damn good. He sent me one of his songs. That guy's a good musician.
1: He he's one of those people like a lot of actors are which I'm not. Uh they're all around talented. They can act, they sing, I they can—it's crazy. Yeah, and was, Wade is not the person I think of first as being a, a musical, a Broadway guy, but that's yeah. what he was. Cause yeah, I because his hair—I
0: like, someone said he needs a comb. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Wow. And he walks in and I'm like yeah, you hear the Broadway, and then then he play—he pulls out the harmonica and plays. I was like, wow. And then he sent me a, a one of his songs. He sent me another Hank Williams one I have to listen to that he did. But yeah, exactly. You don't sit yeah. there and think, hey, well this guy, you know, because he—he's a gruff guy, but then he's such a teddy bear when you talk to him.
1: Oh yeah, he—he's the epitome of he. he his personality and what he looks like are diametrically opposite but I think that's kind of where his careers come from for him you know
0: so, so you got these guys re- and you got them on film and then mm-hmm. now you have to start editing it correct and now you have this nightmare not nightmare but it's like you have to sit there and you have to figure out what puts makes the best
1: movie yeah and it took a really long time and several editors and frankly that first film was probably there's probably 10 different versions of it before we settled on what we settled
0: Um, now were you happy when you got done i mean because you're basically the bottom line is when you watch it on netflix when you watch it anywhere the bottom line is it says you know, your name as a director, which I would think would just be a
1: thrill. Yeah, absolutely, it's a thrill. But it was a thrill because, as I told you earlier, it took five years to get that done, and I gotta tell you, there were points where I felt like, uh, you know, it was my own personal Vietnam. I didn't know how it started, I didn't know how I was gonna get out. (laughs) But that's thanks to Brian Volkweis, actually, who's a producer uh, over at New Wave, and he's the guy who, you know, made it real and got it sold and got it, you know, got it to Showtime, got it to Netflix. So he came in, and... Did he watch,
0: did he help you with the editing process? Like, did he see it and say, you should change this, or did he have any hands-on
1: like that, or was that all you? Uh, A guy I went to school with named Michael Schwartz and I basically made the film, made the first cut of it. Uh, At that point, it went to Brian, and then he has other people at New Wave, including uh, a woman named Brenda Carlson, who's a great editor, and she went through and, you know, in conjunction with me and Brian, sort of... Cleaned it up, changed things around, we shot a couple, we shot some B-roll, we didn't have any B-roll. I mean, to tell you this this thing was was low budget, I, I, is it insult to low budgets? I mean, this was made with a change in my couch over five years. I mean, we had like one camera, I didn't have a DP. Uh, I mean, you know, and you look at the film, I'm very proud of the film, I think the content is Great. Um, and I, I've heard from people who agree with me on that. Technically, it's very primitive. But the
0: thing I know. think also what works about the film, too, is in all honesty, when you say technically, when when, when, when this movie, and it's character-driven, because they're all character actors, and it's content-driven, and it's story-driven. And for me, honestly, I don't give a crap what the technical part is. I mean, if you look at Whiplash, I thought Whiplash was great. Technically, that's not... A, that's not uh, you know, there. No, go, but it's wow, a great movie. It's yeah. a great movie. That's yeah. like your movie. It's like when you're sitting there interviews. Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't want to see some of these people in HD. All right, I, I, and right, it's, right. it's like you know, I watch TV. I go, oh my God. You know, it's like you see David Caruso on HD and it looks like a jack o' lantern. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it's just because it's not. You know, but for yours, I think it, it. Yeah, you did. That's all you needed for the first one because it's the content. That's what people. That's what people like about it because they hear the stories and and I think if and if any actor doesn't watch it like a young actor right. they're idiots because it shows hey it's not all ben and roses this guy worked i mean a lot of people get breaks and you know from interviewing these people i know from interviewing people a lot of people have gotten a great break but you know what they got that great break cuz they busted their ass and they had five other bad
1: breaks before oh, yeah. they got that and people i mean that's why i think people go it's it's on it's on netflix uh that guy is on netflix yeah. hulu and itunes right now i okay. believe yeah you got to
0: go people get it cuz you know you got to watch it cuz if you're an actor it's a must but now, now, so you got that done. Now the second one. I'm
1: sorry, I'm smiling only because I've been told by several clients that it, it's a horror movie. They don't that, like it, it? that it's a horror film. No, they think it's they think it's excellent, but they think it's it's frightening. So I, I've had a couple of clients say, if I'd seen this before I came out here, I wouldn't have come out here. Uh, that's so funny. That's yeah,
0: that's so. For me though, it's like, well, we're going to talk about the second one that just came out. Uh, it's on Showtime. That gal, and Who, right. That gal who was in that thing, and then it says though uh, that guy part 2. Correct on the thing. It's a very long title. It's a very long title. <laughs> no, because I was thinking the whole time, I'm like I'm like that gal. says. I said, and I was thinking, wait, and I think, why didn't he call it that girl? I go, oh, he can't call it that girl because of Marla Thomas. <laughs> That's what came to my is, mind. Is that
1: yeah, and just uh, I don't know three letters. It seemed to have symmetry. Well, it catches. Yeah, and it's,
0: as I said, it was. It's on Showtime. It just premiered, I think, the fifth. And I actually, it's on demand. Just you know, people, you can actually if you have Showtime on, on demand, it's on. There it wasn't on like the day it came out it wasn't on demand it came on the next day okay yeah Uh, that's correct but i I had dvr'd it and um
1: and they're running it all month yeah so now when you
0: came up with that one you you know you you know the people like you got people like your first one
1: i got great feedback the biggest complaint was no women okay so
0: you're sitting there and you're going no women so now you say okay i'm gonna gonna do a whole movie of women i mean what made you decide that which and i think it was a great idea
1: well i don't think I had shared it with Brian but that was sort of my plan from the beginning was if you make one for guys you got to make one for women too um and I already had in mind a number of actresses that I you know hoped to go to for it um the 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 process of putting together the second one was different though because I could approach actors and say you know hey if you see the first one I want to do this you know there was a template there and also um Paget Brewster, who's in the film, who I think is fantastic, uh, was friends with Bruce Davison. Okay. And Bruce is the one who connected me with her because she had told him how much she enjoyed the first one. Okay. So that's kind of how that came about. Um, no. Alicia Coppola, a similar thing. She was friends with Timothy Amundsen, who okay. was in the first one. Well, it's so funny about Alicia, because I, mean, I said, when I hit her, I, hit, I pursued her on
0: Twitter. I just sent her a tweet, and then, uh-huh. when she said, yeah, talk, talk to my... Uh, Talk to my you know manager, manager and I said, "Well, yeah. follow me on Twitter." And so we, you know, because if you on Twitter and you don't follow, you can't get a message. And then it's funny because we end up talking. And I was like I, I'll I'll call them Monday because right now I'm not getting Christmas trees. And she goes, "Oh, where are you getting Christmas tree?" And that's what's cool about these people. Yeah. They're regular people. Like we end up doing a, a, a Twitter li- uh, messages about this place is good, this place is good. And I'm like, yeah, Home Depot sucks, but that's what's cool. So now when you got all these people involved, mm-hmm. you were hitting them up. Now did you
1: was it easy to get them? Uh, truth is. On the first one, no one said no okay. that I approached. On the second one, the, that was different. Yeah. I had I had many no's on the second one. Why do you think that? I don't know. Uh, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife, and she said, you know, women are naturally more protective of themselves. Uh, but I'm not sure I know what that means. Yeah, no, it's just
0: funny, cause, and, and, and honestly, because, you know, my girlfriend is a... Uh, she's a sexual she speaks out in sexual assault she's a date rape victim and that's her job she speaks and and you know in the beginning she was very private you know right. when she was in 2020 she had a disguise when she was on E true hollywood stories last week and there's no disguise right. and they're protective and so when i wanted to see how she watched it and because women are very protective as they say but the way you did this movie it was done so well that it was the questions were none of them were intrusive and even uh, paget told about the douchebag guy... Yeah, she told
1: that story, which I was so grateful
0: to her for saying that on camera. And it was great, and that's the thing. I I think if you did another one, I bet if if any of these people who said no saw that, they're probably going, God, I should have been involved with that, because it it was done very well.
1: Yeah, listen, thank you for the compliment. Um, I think it turned out well, but you know what? I also, one thing I learned between the two films is 16 was too many. Right. It was very hard to edit that first one, and I think... And I'm not taking credit, I'm giving the credit to my editors. I think we accomplished, when you watch that first film, They nobody's shortchanged. Everybody gets a, a, a moment, you know, gets their story, get, you get to know them a little bit. But it was hard. It was too many. So that's, you know, lowering the number was by design. Um, with, only, with eight women and one agent, um, I think we get to know each of them a little bit more, and you get some more stuff some more meat now uh, did you
0: have more confidence going in because you had already done one i mean it, well
1: yeah anytime it, you've done something already you know how to you have a better idea how to do it also you know brian Volkweis, who keep mentioning who produced it as well this time you know i had more infrastructure so to speak of new wave uh, we had more we had two cameras i actually had a dp <laughs> that's why the film looks better it's better made i think it's the overall quality levels higher um so yeah, the answer to your question is yes. So so when you get, you get you get your eight actresses finally. Actor. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. And
0: I'm glad you I'm glad you actually asked the question about actor and actress mm-hmm. because I run into this and I always put actor on and for me I, and this would crack me up, is I always put actor on my website. I mean if you've been to my website right, right. and I always say, you know, Steve Cooper talks with actor and I'd say Ileana Douglas or actor Mark Ralston it's always actor right and I always wondered well what's offensive and what's not and how they take it and then I always think okay it's I'm saying actor but then I'm watching the Oscars and they're saying best actress and best supporting actress and I'm glad you addressed that because it's a uh, it's a it's a hard question and it's one of those questions you know I mean Paget was fine with actress right? and it's just, it's just so funny Did, was that something that in your head you've run into that and is that why you put that question, that in question the That question is there because
1: as an agent I run into it almost every day. <laughs> I meet an actress and I'm like actor, actor. It's like I always pause in my mind to think which one I'm going to use and, or sometimes when you're speaking about somebody in the third person and you say actor then it's confusing because you're talking about a woman and you know what I mean? So it's always a, That's why the question came and as you see in the movie, the answers vary. Some right. people don't care, and some people are very adamant that it's actor, no matter what your gender, and eh, it's a different perspective. It is it, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird. So, so yeah. when,
0: when you're going to do this one now, and you have a, a lot of questions would you ask like nine questions this time? I
1: trying to think? It was like eight or nine questions, but, but you know it grows from there, because people remember some anecdote and then they go off into that. So did you did you have them all lined up when you were going
0: to do it? I mean, or did you did you interview, because did you just do a longer interview and then cut it to that question, or did you sit there? Because this way it's done, because I guess it, it's, it threw me off, not threw me off, but it was cool because it was like, you, you have them all meet which was great right, they right. but, but I, and like me being an idiot I'm, I'm thinking oh he probably had a meet come in the room and say okay the actor or actress but that all comes up in your interview so when you when you sit there when you interviewed them did you know you know okay I definitely have to get these questions in or did you just what sort of run with it this time
1: I, I ran with it but I did have a list in my mind of I gotta hit these but they're all in different orders and everything and when you edit it you just pick it out and then the lunch that you referred to that we shot when they came together except for Jane Atkinson who couldn't make it from the East Coast. Um, she was, I think she might have been working on House of Cards at the time. Um, that was interesting because we shot that after all the interviews were done. And so they had all gone through the whole process. Even they, right. They hadn't
0: seen any of it. Correct. And so they just knew that they were, and they, I'm sure it's like, I think, I mean, if, if you don't know these, if you watch it, you know, when you watch it, actually, if you don't know who these people are, you know, you got a problem because they've, they've been in like every damn show in the last. Whatever years, I mean, that's the cool thing is you've covered yeah. so many shows, and what I like about this is that there's so many different looks. You know, it's like it's like you know you have Padgett, who's you know the, plays like the sexy girl, and then the one right. who I the mother, the one who plays the mother and everything. Oh, Scott Caldwell, yes yeah, fantastic African American actress, yeah. yeah. And then the other the uh, the white woman, the white woman who plays the mother and the wife, uh, Catherine
1: Hicks from that,
0: Seventh Heaven. the, no, the brunette. The, the, Roxanne Hart? The, no, not Roxanne. I'm trying to think of her name. The, the, the brunette. She was a, She played the mother on a on a two and a half. Uh, and you know, married, married. How I Met Your Mother. She, she played. Oh, Christine Rose. Yeah, Christine so that's Rose. What's great. they're yeah. all, but they're all, and that's what's good about it th- because they're all diverse and they're all different parts, and and some have been in, like, you know, in Lost, and but some have been in, as you said, Seventh Heaven, and that's yeah. what makes it great because it just shows, it shows that they're all actresses. I mean, they're all, like, they're all pretty much the same person with the same beliefs. They want to get on stage, you know, stage, but they play these different roles, and that's what makes it great when you when you get, they're they're I'm trying to think of the word, they're eclectic, but they're not, and that's what's cool about it.
1: Well, they're they're all you know working actresses, but they've all had very different careers based on you know who they are and where they're from and what they've done, and and yeah, it's I mean purposely there was I went after a variety there, um, you know somebody like Roma Mafia, somebody I remember seeing always, right? You know, like when has she not been in stuff? It's so you funny because you forget that because everyone knows her from
0: Nip Talk, and then when you're watching your things, I'm like, oh my god, she was not that, that that, and you, and you forget that she is on a. On uh, Law and Order, and that's what's cool. And you sit there. Oh yeah! And, you and watch in it. the '90s, she was in so many movies. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah, that's what's that's yeah. what's so cool. And yeah. now, now, so, so, did you get as much footage this time, or did this time because it's it, you've done it before? Did you sit there and say, okay, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this a little bit shorter because I don't need you know your your Vietnam thing again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- yeah. This time, I, it's, knowing the, you know the interviews didn't have to be quite as long. Uh, I I knew more of what I was doing, so yeah. And it was a much and again having the support, you know, and actually better equipment and, and stuff. It was much faster to make this one. I think this one took, all told, uh, maybe a year and a half versus five. So that was a relief.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I have also a question. It's just something that was very interesting, the, the stats you put up. Yeah. What what did you, when you sat there, was that in the very beginning you thought you were going to put up stats or did that come through the process that you said, okay, this stats would be cool because you do a very good thing about actors come out here. And actually, it's weird that there are more women Act, act yeah, which is something
1: here. I just found out from from the union, which I, I didn't realize. There's more women in SAG than men. Um, I also, I think you're referring to. There's a lot of stats about race and the breakdown the of break the roles, and, just, and, and all also that kind just of stats. Stuff. Of women that come yeah. out,
0: and people who come. How many actors come out, and then how many are still are here after ten years? I mean, what, the what numbers are brutal, right? Oh, they're insane. Now, what made you put? What made you decide? Just to sit there, sit there, and show that these people are survivors because they've been around. I mean, what because it, it adds to the movie. What did you? In the very beginning, did you say I want to put some stats in? Or? Well,
1: I knew I want to put stats. These are stats that I think about all the time as an agent. Okay. Um, both the stats you're referring to, and like you know, <clears throat> the ratio of male to female roles, and the ratio of Caucasian to non-Caucasian roles, and these are all things that are constantly changing, um, and that you know, as as a person represents actors of all stripes. Uh, of of all ethnic backgrounds and all ages, these are things I'm conscious of. You know, there's less work. The, there's less work for people after a certain age, and all that kind of stuff. Um, these are stats that are in the film because the motivation for both films, the men and the women, these are people who, in my eyes, are tremendous successes. These are people who have beat the odds that I know are horrible because I deal with them every day in my job. Um, I know. How rare it is to be an actor who gets a series regular on a show that runs in this town, and these people, all of them, have multiple series regulars right. on multiple shows. They all have, even the youngest people in the films, like uh, Paget Brewster and Rick Worthy, I think was the youngest in the in the male version. They've had careers that span decades. Um, these guys are in the one the, percent. They're ahead. They're literally ahead of ninety nine percent of all the other actors that come to town, and uh, I know that as an agent they know that but they're not as aware of it until I point it out to them <laughs> do you know what I mean right like they know they're making a living but I think they don't they don't see it from my side of the desk where I see how many actors there are in town that are not having the success these people are having and I mean you know Gregory Itzen is somebody who uh, has two Emmy nominations for his years on 24 Uh, Jelko like we mentioned, has an Emmy win and I think three Tony nominations. I mean, these are these are all people of great accomplishment, you know, and success. Uh, you know, I look at Roma's got. 15 to 20 studio pictures on our resume i mean the amount of people who can actually say that is infinitesimally small but i think the public doesn't think about it because they only see like the big movie stars and i guess that's kind of the theme behind both films well it's funny and, yeah. well in
0: this film well, one question i'm glad you included was because i always ask people like getting recognized mm-hmm. and, and it's so funny because and, and roma did it the best and i think jane atkinson where they just said yeah, I've been in this, this, that. And they're like, no, oh, no, no, no. The person's like, no, 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 yeah. no that's not it. I, you look like my, you look like my kid's teacher. Yeah. And that's, what's great about this because they are people that when they go out, everyone, I mean, it's one of those things. And I sit there and they go, who's, who's going to be your guest this week? And I'll go, Oh, this person. And they go, who's that? And as soon as you put up the picture, Oh, okay. Exactly. I know that. And that's, I think, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that's a good fact sometimes because, you know, you don't get, Bombarded. I mean, I you know Eddie Jemison was on and he talked about when mm-hmm. he was with uh, Ocean's Twelve or with uh, Clooney, and he's like, you know, he goes, when we hang out, they were just regular guys, but right. you know, when Clooney, he like can't even walk a half a block without getting mobbed, and I think that's what's great with these, with a lot of these people in your in your show. They have made a great living and they are successes because you're right, they they've made a living, they've worked, you know, and but they have a bit of their privacy.
1: Oh yeah, they have. They don't. It's crazy. I I worked once as a PA on a movie, a, a, a movie no one remembers named Assassins. Oh yeah, Assassins with uh, Armando Sante. Nope. No, Antonio no, no.
0: Banderas. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. was Stallone in that
1: too. Stallone, okay. Antonio Banderas, and Julianne Moore. Okay. Uh, and working on that for a couple months. Uh, somebody like Sylvester Stallone, his life is insanity. I mean, we were doing things like, because the production office and everybody was staying at the same hotel, same Hilton, we were in San Juan, and uh, we would have to do things like send his car out one way with a decoy in it so he could go out the back so it's the only way we could get him to set on time because if not he'd get mobbed and then no work would get done Uh, and just logistically it must be really nice to have an acting career and not have to deal with that yeah I mean because you can
0: can get places I mean true it's like uh, the guy Bob Clendendon who's on Cougar Town he said you know one time he he was lucky because he was flying, and the person's like, oh, the, we like you on your show, and they bump him first class, which is cool. Right. But, and that's a perk. But also, he could just sit there and sit in the airport and not get bothered. I mean, we don't, you know, people always want to be a star, but then it's like, when you become a star, you know, your life changes. I mean, you, you know, you really, it's like, say goodbye to walking in the morning and getting a cup of coffee. Out here, it's, it's different. But if you go anywhere else, like Well,
1: I- it's still a little, you know, somebody had experience of seeing up close. Is for years. Our company represented David Hyde Pierce. Okay. Uh, during the Fraser years, and the few, t- you know, the couple times I went places with David, or what? It's incredibly time consuming. I mean, the amount of time, and he—he he is one of the most gracious people on earth. And I'm gonna so, tell you something about him. I think yeah. he is, and, and the people don't give him. I think he is
0: one of the best physical comedians ever, because he was so subtle. He was like, he had like that Jack Benny subtleness. like, And that's what, I mean, people don't give him credit for it, you know, they go, Frazier, you know, oh yeah, you know, it's funny. but he was physically amazing, but it wasn't, he wasn't, like, and John Ritter was great physically, but it wasn't that John Ritter, it was like a subtleness, it just stole, it stole scenes.
1: It's fu- it's funny you say that, because I, I think I'm speaking correctly here, I remember him saying that one of his favorite episodes ever, Frazier, was one that they did that was all physical comedy. It was him like with an ironing board, knocking things over, okay. and, you know that kind of stuff. And I think that's what he really l- loves that. I mean, he's again, he's one of those people that it's kind of unfair how all around talented he is compared to the rest of us humans, right. you know <laughs> so yeah, so
0: now now are you gonna do it? Are you doing one about Star Trek now, or is that or is that we are. works okay, so. we are
1: uh, that is something I've been working on for the last uh, year or so. Again, Brian Volkweis producing. Um, and we've been interviewing actors and actresses, or actors, whatever the, actors. the term. We can just say actors. Yes, right? That's actors. Actors, like flight
0: attendants. Exactly. They're food servers. It's not waitress or waiter, it's food server. And that's the thing. I don't even call them waiter. At least they can call everyone waiters. They change, yeah, the food exactly, gender neutral. Like term. when I, when I was a, when I was a food server, I would have rather been called a waiter than a food a food server. Makes it sound like oh yeah, I'm serving you food. Waiter sound like, odd. I'm waiting on you. A food server, yeah. So
1: I agree with you. Uh, we're we're interviewing actors uh, who have been in any iteration of Star Trek. Uh, you know, any of the TV shows, any of the movies, and sort of. Uh, but the angle we're coming at it from is. If you remember, or you may not remember, in the first one, in that guy who was in that thing, there is a little montage where we show how basically everybody in the film has done Star Trek. Okay. Okay, and it kind of grew from that. It's become its own version, its own length, feature length version of that. So a lot of the guys who are in that guy, that you know we've already seen in the first film we will be in it again talking about specifically their experience on Star Trek and then we've also we've been very fortunate we've gotten at least one series regular from every show. Okay. Um, And I was Extremely fortunate, and actually got to interview Leonard Nimoy last year. See, okay. Well, are, are, are you a a big Star Trek fan? I am a big Star Trek fan. I've become an even bigger Star Trek fan I, I, as I've gotten into the weeds on it. Because I think Volk Wise is a big sci fi guy. He is a big vi- sci fi yeah. guy too. So that's so cool. I mean, I mean, the funny thing was because
0: Leonard Nimoy just passed, and it's funny. I was, I was actually in Florida, mm-hmm. and I was, I would take a morning walk, and a friend of mine texted me from out here and he's like oh Lee, Nimoy passed and that's like wow and that was one of the things like on Facebook because I'm friends with a lot of comics in, on Facebook and when some actors like when Paul Walker passed which I wasn't cool with people making all these stupid ass jokes right. I don't like that I, I, don't, I don't need that you know it's like when Bruce Jenner got in a car accident hey if you're going to make a joke at least make it original you know I mean if, you know, just don't be like hey uh, fast and furious Not fu-. it's like stupid yeah. but the, the thing about Nimoy is not one bad thing because he was and I'm not a Star Trek fan Mm-hmm. I mean, I never watched it. I mean, I, I watched it in college when I was stoned. But he, uh, <laughs> but everyone respected him, and that's what's amazing. And and, and people don't know, like, because Shatner made that stupid ass album. He made some good albums. He had like his folk albums. He was good. Yeah. So what's he was so respected. So it must have been great for you to be able to get to interview him because he was such an integral part. And and now looking back, he must have been saying, "Thank God I got to interview him now." But oh he's yeah. He's
1: gone. I mean, it was a thrill to get to interview him. And just this weekend, I was going over the footage with uh with with my editor. Uh, Sean Bassman, and uh, we were just like pinching ourselves, like how fortunate we were to get this interview. He, you know, everything gets more poignancy when you see it through the prism of somebody's now gone. Right. But uh, you know, it was like his chance to give us a roundup on uh, on his his whole experience with that character and that that job. That basically, you know, he says it made his career. He started working on it in the '60s, and he was in the last movie. I mean, he's been working on it for forty some years. So. Uh, it, it was a thrill. I'm really glad we have the interview. And he was extremely gracious to do it because I, I didn't know him from a hole in the wall. Um, but uh, I got it's interesting, I got to interview him through his rabbi. Okay. Um, one of my, uh, a, a woman named Marilyn Zatmary, who used to work at uh, SMS Talent with me and is now retired, she knew I was working on the film. And she said, You know, I don't know Leonard Nimoy, but I see him at synagogue all the time. Uh, do you want me to ask the rabbi? If I, if, he can, uh, if I can put you guys in touch. And I said, sure, whatever. And I never thought anything would come of it. And I got an email from the rabbi. And he was like, tell me what you want. And I did. And then, uh, you know, he gave me Leonard's email. And he was like, just send it to him and see what he says. Isn't that cool? And yeah. That, that's
0: what makes it better. It's like I had a, and I was talking about Star Trek, I had Robert Picardo on. Okay. And yeah. I, my girlfriend's mom is an interior designer back in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It was a not more mm-hmm. And... She knows all the Philadelphia designers. Picardo's brother is a interior designer. They've been friends for years, so same thing. I, oh, really? s- I said, "Hey, Joanne," I said, "just ask your mom." And then Picardo's like, "Oh yeah," got back to me, and that's just so funny that it's the people. It's so funny, like the weird angles, like you know, you through a rabbi, me through an interior designer, my girlfriend's mom. You never think you sit there, and go, oh, you know, that's what's so cool.
1: Yeah, no, and, and and he and in his case, he's somebody that I didn't even think about pursuing him because I assumed I would never be able to land an interview right. with him. You know, and. uh I remember, because I checked this, I emailed him, just saying, you know, this is who I am, and I got in touch with you, and this is what I'm doing, and I checked, but my assistant, Busby, had said, Leonard Nimoy's on the phone for you, it was about 16 minutes after I sent the email. See, that's so cool, though. Yeah, and he he chatted with me on the phone, and literally, he was like, uh, be at my place on Thursday at 8. See, that's so awesome. Yeah, so it was it was great. Now, for this movie, though, because you said you have one from each series, so you have a lot more people this time. A lot more, which is a, more of a challenge. I think
0: yeah. we have almost fifty interviews yeah. in the camp. Because you went from eight in that girl, that gal, which was very intimate, mm-hmm. and then they sat down at the end and it was awesome. And you went from you went from sixteen, and because you, you said that's too much, and you pared down, right. And now you're going sevenfold almost. I mean, right. what and what made you sit there? Were you that confident that you can get? There? I mean, what made you sit there and go, man, this is a drastic jump? Because it's not like it's funny. a
1: drastic jump, but the film's about something different. Okay. Um, that Guy and That Gal is about individual careers, people's lives, whole experiences. I think it, you need more time uh, with it. Um, the Star Trek one is about one specific experience. For some people in it, it's only about one guest spot that they did, or a couple episodes that they did. Um, sure, with the people who are series regulars, you're talking to people who did a job for six years, seven years, or whatever. Except for Nimoy, who actually only did three uh, on the original series, but uh, it 's different. I think it 's about the franchise and their participation in it, not about their careers so but i 'm saying that now we 're starting to edit. maybe i i 'm wrong and i 've been off way more than I can chew. How much did you? How much footage did you shoot? How many hours oh i don 't know how many hours tons. it's
0: tons of hours. now, how did you yeah. uh, formulate the questions this time?
1: This time was different this time i I had to go. I mean, look, it's different. With someone like Nimoy, I've been aware of Spock my whole life. So right. that's one thing you you have questions. That's not a that's not hard. But other people who've done two or three episodes of Next Generation in nineteen eighty nine, I had to go on netflix and watch them and then so i could have something specific to ask about you know or follow up with and then also as is the case before i have a couple clients who uh both robert beltran and dominic keating are in the film they are clients of mine okay um and then they also were uh robert was on voyager and dominic on enterprise so um i know them already again that that kind of cheat the short short. That's awesome. Now, yeah. is,
0: is is the format going to be similar to that gal? Because I, I really, I really enjoyed that gal format. Just because my feeling, and I'm a huge documentary. I love documentaries. Okay. And I said, as my girlfriend isn't, and um, and I like documentaries, and I like documentaries that aren't. I think a lot of them also are propaganda. That's just me. I think a lot of them, that yes. the person puts his own agenda. Yeah, and but yours, it was it was so formulated, so good that it was. It was like a story because it wasn't overkill, you know. Because sometimes people will sit there and go, "Boy, I don't know if I'm gonna watch that. What's that gonna be about? You know, that girl. What, what do I care about that?" But the way you you formulated it very well, the, the questions, and it just all worked. And it's and it just it, it was it was very entertaining. Some documentaries aren't entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I've put someone on Netflix and I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, I can't watch this," you know, because they get boring.
1: Well, thanks. But, no, it's got to not be boring. Yeah, But yours is yeah.
0: upbeat, and and I think because everyone is so all the interviews, they're all so they're all engaging and then and, and you and the funny thing is it's not all just you know the happiness you know like the african-american lady told a story about the her, her son and I thought she's gonna start crying and that then that touches you and you go wow this is dedication and Paget's uh, Paget story that's also and so for this movie are you gonna are you
1: are you are you it's gonna be different are you gonna formulate it the same though like the questions questions or well we're in the process of editing it now and that's always involves finding the structure Um, and in the, it could change, but I think in this one, the franchise itself is going to give us the structure, uh, in that it's six series. I think if you count the animated series and six movies with the original crew and then four with the next gen crew and then the two newer JJ Abrams ones, but that is going to give us sort of a timeline. There's a chronology to it. So that's sort of, we're going to, the skeleton we're going to hang the film on is the chronology. I'm saying that now that could totally change in the next edit but um, I think that's our starting point and then we'll see what happens because a lot of editing is you kind of find it as you do it. Okay. We have about five minutes left. Sure.
0: Um, now do you uh, plan to do another one after this? Is there any in your is your is your mind going because I think they're great and, and it's this is you know these the, the Star Trek one works mm-hmm. great. There's so many other shows you can probably hit up. I mean do you does that ever cross your mind? And you sit there and go, "I really want to do this." Or
1: I, I think Brian is uh, is uh, projecting to the future a lot more than I am with that idea right now. I do have uh, I do have more actors that I want to talk to. Okay, um, and and some that you know I met in the course of making the Star Trek one. Just this past December, the last interview we did for it was a phenomenal actor named Ronnie Cox.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Ronnie Goss has been around forever. Yeah, and it was just a thrill to meet him, not just because of Star Trek, although that was the context I met him in, but I mean, come on. He's, he's Cohagan from Total Recall. He's right. a, he's RoboCop. He's he's uh, what was it Lieutenant Bogomil in Beverly Hills Cop. I it's, mean, he's done so many amazing things throughout my life that it was such a thrill to meet him. And you know, I, like all oh, these, he's, he's a, Deliverance. I mean, he was that was right, his first oh, yeah. movie. It's it's, it's, it's amazing. It's it's, it's, it's it's yeah.
0: It, that's the thing. You're probably like me too. It's like when I sit there and I get I go to the. Uh, IMDb, mm-hmm. you know, and I, a few weeks ago, I had Dan Roebuck, then Ileana Douglas, then Jack McGee, and I looked and I went between the three of them, okay, not including producing or writing, but between the three of them, if you added their IMDb credits up, it was 498, and I go, wow. It's just, it blows your mind out when you see, like, in the very beginning, you know, and, and when they played on a TV, and back in the early days of the TV, you could come on a series, a few different times, as a different character. You can't do it anymore. Right, right, right. So like you seem like you played a bartender, then you played a thug. But it's just it's cool, and it must be great for you, you know, because when you can interview these people, and then also that you get to deal with them, and you get to further their career, which must be great.
1: Yeah, the ones that I represented as clients, and 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 you know, um, Gates McFadden. I, I didn't mention her. She was a series regular on Next Generation, and she's somebody I met through the documentary, and she's now a client. So that's, okay. yeah, and she's a she's a great actress, and she was fantastic on the show. So
0: now, what was the the women's feedback on that gal?
1: What did, they, did they all like it? I mean, what did they talk to you after? The and people say, who are in the film? Yes. Um, I've gotten feedback from most of them, uh, and everybody loves it, but I'm the guy who made it, so I guess they're going to tell me only if they like it. Um, we've had really good feedback on it, though, um, to, the, to the point where I have to admit, uh, I've, heard, I've heard from my taste too much, I like it better than the first one, so now I'm feeling like I have to defend the first one. I'm like, what's wrong with the first one? That's
0: the inside artist. That's the yeah, insecurity. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah.
1: But no, it's been great and uh and uh, it's gone over very well, I'm very pleased and that now that's yeah it got on the Showtime, which was
0: great, Yeah. Because, you know Showtime is showtime's a good network, i mean the, the same thing they have great series and, and showtime's a very intelligent network, but it's because you know you, you watch California you know you watch the different shows, you know episode's one of the best shows on t v oh, yeah, and it's just that's whats that's a great place to get it on there and now is now will that eventually come
1: on netflix will uh yeah, it will get to Netflix and it'll it'll have the same progression, I believe as the first one, although that's really Brian's realm, but uh the first one went from Showtime to Netflix to iTunes and Hulu, um, and I think this will follow the same path. Now, do you have a projected
0: uh, release time or any time in your idea about the Star Trek?
1: Uh, we're thinking early next year, but that's still vague because Star Trek is fifty in September of 2016.
0: Okay, and you know, I'll tell you this much though: you know, you you might be able to you get that Star Trek people watching that. You might be able to go to a lot of these uh, conventions. Uh, yeah, the, I, the, 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 no, but as a, not as a person
1: going to this convention, like right. as, as, a, as a panelist, I mean, that'd be perfect. I know, we'll see. There's a little section in the film about uh, the actors talking about their experiences with those conventions, so uh, it's not all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I've heard, I've had people there's talk both. about the science sci-fi, but I haven't seen you. Know, so, yeah. uh, so
0: what else is going on? Uh, you, just, you, you send your clients out? Are you working on any other projects?
1: Oh, well, I, you know, my day job. We're just getting through pilot season. Lucky enough, I've got some clients landed some pilots, so they're going to shoot them now. Hopefully, they'll get picked up. Um, you know, just working working on stuff. And these things are all, they suck up all my free time. Like, the Star Trek thing will monopolize my time for the rest of the year.
0: Now, do you go into, a stu- do you go into an editing bay, or do you do it at your house, or how do you do that?
1: Uh, I, have a, I have an editor who's fantastic, uh, who I mentioned earlier, named Sean, and he's got a setup at his house, and we're, we're editing it in his garage. Okay,
0: so that's that's great though. Yeah, so just, you know, must your
1: wife must not love it? She's about like, dude, are you ever around the house? I mean. You know what? Luckily, the reason I know him is because he married one of my wife's best girlfriends from college. Okay, so now they so can hang out. we edit and they
0: hang out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, w- I want to thank you for coming on. We've, we've, it, people, you don't know. I've, I've emailed back and forth with Ian so many times because I watched the movie and I knew he knew Volk and I emailed him and we talked about getting clients and then I finally said, yeah, I, I got to have him come on because you know I, I've had a few agents on before. I, I had well Brian was as a manager. Right. I had, I had uh, Bruce Smith from Omnipop and uh and I had Barry Katz very beginning when I started out. Got it. But it's always good because it's, it's, it's gives you a different, uh, different side of the story. Now, do you tweet about your movie? Do you, are you
1: tweeting at all? Uh, very little, but I do. What's uh, your Twitter at? I think it's just at Ian Romain. And spell the last name because it's different. R O U M A I N. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. This is great.
0: Thank you very and, much. Uh, people, please check out that movie. I'm not lying. It's, it's awesome. Go into the uh, on demand Showtime. That gal. You'll, you'll love it. And, uh, and so, yeah. Also, people follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also, uh, my website, coopertalk.net. There's 350 episodes up there. Cooper, coopertalk.net is my email address. Wednesday, March 25th, uh, come on out to the I.O. West. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. I am in their uh, un- their scripted competition. I'm in their storytelling segment. I'll be doing a five-minute story that I've done on the Storyworthy Podcast. And I've done live before. That's uh, Wednesday, 25th of March at 8.30. Come out. Because, you know And if I I win this contest, it'll be a cool thing. And also, go to my new website, StopTheSalt.com. That's where you can get my uh, cookbook, StopTheSalt.com, Low-Sodium Cooking for One Without Killing Yourself. It's from after I went through my heart problems. I had to change my diet, so I wrote a cookbook. But now me and Joanne use it, even though it is cooking for one. It's very easy. There's no pictures. Read it. It, You won't get intimidated. There's a key up front for what ingredients you need. It's cooking for dummies, but healthy, because you'll want to be healthy. So that's about it. Also, remember, follow me on CooperTalk. Uh, email me, cooper, coopertalk.net, and stopthesalt.com. Buy the book. I'll even autograph it for you. So that's about it. I'm Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and check out That Gal on Showtime On Demand. Have a good weekend.